0: You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, it is a great day to be alive. I have a few things I want to say at the outset of this podcast because uh, you are about to hear the first message that was delivered at the recent Bride Tribe Advance for all of you that weren't able to join us and the rest of the Bride Tribe family at that event. Uh, this is going to give you a little taste of what was going on over there. I also want to make another announcement. My wife and I are pregnant. Yes, I said that. We are having a baby. We are very excited. It's amazing. Guys, I'll tell you what, there's a lot going on in this. This is a season of new. It's a season of new, well, for us in Bride Ministries, for sure, and coming through 2020. I know it's been really difficult for everyone, <laughs> for obvious reasons, but there's a lot to celebrate, and we are also celebrating a transition to Houston. We are celebrating the launch of our physical church. You know, we, we, we had to start with our Bride Tribe brunches that have been going on here in Dallas, which has been amazing in-person meetings, but uh, we are going to have weekly services in Houston starting in just a few months. So be excited about that. There's so much other stuff to be excited about at Bride Ministries, but right now I'm just excited to tell you that uh, we're going to be having a baby soon. And and by the way, I, I want to speak to some of you that are really struggling with some of the stuff that's been going on politically more recently. Let me just say this, guys. Uh, there has been ongoing voter fraud in this country. It is not new. It's been around for decades. And here's what is happening in my view. God is fixing broken systems. And there's only one way that our election system is going to be challenged. And that's by a situation where someone has the guts to call foul play while the world is watching. That's right now. Folks, I want you all to keep praying. Pray that God is straightening out broken systems and that there is justice in the land and that God's hand is upon the courts and those Uh, that have the power to bring the necessary shifts that this nation will need in order for our children to inherit something worth fighting for. So with that said, folks, uh, it's not over, and I want you to be in a place of peace and also in a place of prayer. Now, with that said, we're going to get right to the podcast. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Devall. we're not going to exit this place of uh, worship. We're going to go into a higher realm of activated worship. We're going to go into a higher realm of activated worship. And as we open up this conference, what we need to understand is that We're putting more power in our engines. You know, I say the body of Christ is like a V12 that's been running on four cylinders. We just didn't know what the other cylinders were. We we, we just didn't know what the other cylinders were. But we're going to be adding cylinders. We are going to be adding cylinders. So I want y'all, y'all can take your seats for the moment i have to stand for this. But how many of you know that worship connects us to the heart of God. How, how many of y'all get that concept? When we were pressing into what this event was going to be, the strongest, the strongest impression that came through was celebration. It was celebration. God said, this is going to be a celebration. Now I had hoped that we would be celebrating, what was happening in our nation but what I see now is that our celebration is activating God's plan for our nation and so here we are you know and it's so funny I talk to so many people say how was your travel people said smooth You know, the devil didn't want you here, but a lot of us really didn't have too many hurdles. You know why? Because the devil had to stop at the door, get checked, and watch you get here and cry about it. Y'all realize someone's been praying now we're going to open up some new dimensions on this whole idea of worship connecting us to the heart of God today, because what we have to understand is that God really does have a heart. It's not just a vague concept, a metaphor for something that is beyond our understanding. It is actually a fact that God has a heart. So the Bible says in Acts 13, 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David The son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So we see that God has a heart. Now, for those of you that have been following our ministry, you know that when I talk about the heart of man, I say that the heart is akin to the subconscious it's the seat of human intuition which means that if the heart is the seat of man's intuition the heart of god is the seat of his intuition and we're going to break this down because what we begin to learn is that the heart is more than just an idea or a metaphor when it comes to us the heart is a territory that is a realm to be explored (laughs) you know that the word for realm in hebrew is the same word for kingdom which is a government it's all wrapped up in this word Malkut. And so when you look at the government of God, you see that it is the enveloping of his heart's desire. It is literally characterized by everything that sits in his intuition, at the center of his being. That is the expression of what we see in his kingdom. Things like love and honor, prosperity, wealth, increase, freedom. But just like we can begin to tap into our own hearts and say, you know, Lord, search my heart, what's in me, and we can run into a whole lot of territory, a whole realm of activity, so it goes with God that as we begin to move into his heart, we actually find a realm that is a territory. A lot of us think about connecting with the heart of God as, okay, I'm going to go worship, sing songs, and I'll get goosebumps if it gets really good. What we don't think is that God has a heart that functions essentially as his subconscious, the seat of his intuition. And just like we can, and some of you will get this, explore inner worlds within our own hearts so we can begin to explore God's inner world in his heart. There's so much here. So we have to begin with the idea that God created man in his image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Right? God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. When God decided to make man in his image, the Bible uses the word salem salem means image in the sense of resemblance semblance or idol it is actually the same word used of heathen idols when they made images to false gods and demons watch this numbers 3252 when you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images. Salem. And we have to understand that when God goes in to create man in his image, he's essentially setting up what is otherwise a resemblance or an idol of himself. Not because God is confused and wants to worship us, but because God wants someone that looks like Him to worship Him. So God creates us in His image. So we look like God... And the pattern of our design reveals the pattern of God's design. Now, we're going to have to get this to get to some of these deeper areas of worship. I'm telling you, we're going to open this up. So, David was a man after God's own heart. God has a heart. But that's not the only part of God that finds a similitude in the design of man. As a matter of fact, every aspect of God finds its counterpart in the design of man. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When God makes a resemblance of himself, he designs a body, a soul, a spirit, and at the center establishes a heart. And when we look at the word of God, the word of God helps us to distinguish the operations of what is spirit and what is soul by defining those realms for us when we do our study and we begin to understand. So the Bible reinforces this in 1 Thessalonians 5:23, Now may the God of all peace sanctify you completely. What is complete sanctification? I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, I told you God has a heart. But what about the rest of Him? Because we are a uh, convergence, a conglomerate of realms, all interacting, producing humanity. We are a body realm that has a whole lot of kingdoms. You have a uh, a cardiovascular system. You have a digestive system. You have a renal system, an endocrine system, a nervous system. These are kingdoms within the body, all moving things around to allow for this realm that is the flesh to operate and demonstrate humanity. Well, multiply the complexity by about 100 million and you get to the soul which is its own realm of activity interacting with the cells of the body, the brain, the heart, the kidneys, the adrenals, the organs, the cell. The soul has interfaces with all of these areas of the body, which helps us to begin to explain the phenomena that happens for people that have been through extraordinary traumas and the way that witchcraft works to activate people in the dark world. And then we have a spirit... Well, you can multiply your complexity many times over once you get to that level. Now, at the center of all of that, we have heart. Watch this. What about God? See, when we begin to get into the, 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 the study of God, what we find, in John 4:24, is that God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, how many of you know that because God is a spirit, he does not have a soul like we do? No one is going to put up their hand because you know it's a trick question. Psalm 11 verse 5 says, The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. God is spirit. He has a soul. And guess what he also happens to have? A body. As a matter of fact, his body has all of the components yours does. This is interesting. Exodus 31 verse 8. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, He said to Moses, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. God is spirit. God has a soul and he certainly has a finger. (laughs) What about the rest of his fingers? Does he have one, ten? Well, thank God we got Hebrews 10.31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He's got all his fingers. Praise God for that. Some of us think God only has one finger, and it's the finger of condemnation that's in your face from all the bad preaching you got. Some of you wake up every day condemned. This is all you see when you wake up in the morning. Trying to get through your day. How are you feeling? Ah, Yes. A little rough today. Some of us need to look at the face of God. Isaiah 66, verse 1. All right, no, that's getting ahead of myself. Genesis 32, verse 30. Genesis 32, verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place. Penny out, for I have seen God face to face. Wait a minute. God has ten fingers, hands, a face, a heart. He is spirit and he has a soul. Can you imagine? This is why God created us in his image. Because our design reveals mysteries of God. And, you know, some of us have been through something called exploratory surgery. You know what that means? They crack you open and look inside. They see what's going on in there. Why? Because they know that if they open you up, they're going to find more than they see at the surface. What I'm telling you is that God has a body that can be opened up. And you can look inside. The Bible says in Isaiah 66, verse 1, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house he will build me, and where is the place of my rest? God has a footstool because he has feet. He has feet. And why don't we just go ahead and say it? He has a body with blood. God has blood. And we know that the blood of Jesus was not just physical because there are three that bear witness in the earth the blood, the water, and the spirit. And these three agree as one. And we know from the book of Hebrews that the blood of sprinkling speaks of better things than that of Abel. Why? Because it's spiritual. And physical. And we talk about this when we get to the communion. The cup of blessing with which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The body which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now Jesus came and was born and actually donned a physical body after the likeness of the sons of men. And it was that body that was crucified opened up, pierced, destroyed, so that we could have everlasting life and reconciliation with the Father. But then the Bible goes on and says, now you are the body of Christ. Wait a minute. Now y'all, gotta, y- y- y'all are going to have to step out of your box for a minute here. Because we're going somewhere. See, I'm talking about worship that engages in exploratory surgery of every layer of God's design. You can open up the body of God and enter in worship as a realm. You can open up the soul of God and enter into it as a realm. You can open up the spirit of God and enter into it as a realm. And the convergence point of the whole person of God is his heart which we can open up and enter as a realm. Our design reveals God's nature. So the more revelation we get in the realm of design, the more effectively we will be able to draw near to God. Now, let me just back up a little bit and and, and just give a, a little little example here, okay? All right. So we talk about the body, we talk about exploratory surgery. We know we can open up organs and look inside and all of that stuff. Let's talk about the heart as subconscious for a minute. Now, I will I will talk to people and they'll say, Daniel, you know, I have this recurring dream where I go into this house. And, you know, I walk down a hallway and it's dark and then I hear a door open behind me and I know it's bad and I start running. And I'm trying to get away, but I realize that there's no exit at the end of the hallway. And right before I turn around to see what's going to get me, I wake up, right? Oh, recurring dream over and over. What's going on here? So I'll get him in a session. And I'll say, you know, listen. Jesus promised to manifest himself to us. So let's invite Jesus into this event. Let's talk to him. Come on, Jesus, come just beneath the surface. Tell me when you see him, you know. Maybe we'll have to get past a few fake Jesuses, rebuke them, kick them out. now, Now we're having an encounter with Jesus. I say, you know, Jesus, is there a house on the inside where they are dreaming out of? Well, yes, Daniel. Ah, why don't we go there? Oh, I don't want to go there. person starts to sweat. Like, just remember who you're with. Oh, yeah, king of the universe. This should work. So now that we've dealt with fear, we find ourselves at the house. I say, well, look at the outside. What color is it? Gray. Okay, you see the front door? Yeah. All right, Jesus, why don't you take him in the front door? Go in the front door. Now we're inside of the house. This is where the dream starts. They didn't know there was an exterior to the house, but this house exists as a component of an inner world that is structured within the realm of their subconscious, their heart. Now remember, the Bible says in the book of Matthew 13, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed seed on the good ground, stony ground, thorny ground, the wayside ground, And when the enemy came and devoured all of the seed that was on the wayside ground, what does the Bible say? But that the enemy came and stole the seed that was sown in his heart. So the heart is not just a physical organ. It is a territory designed to be seeded from the perspective of God. Now, How many of you all know that what you might see as farmland today might be Walmart and a housing complex tomorrow? Why? Because builders come in and develop the land. Well, guess what? We have builders that come in and develop our land. And sometimes that builder is named Jesus. And he's building his kingdom on the inside of our hearts. But more often, it's fear. And he comes in and builds a prison and shame. And that one, yeah, he builds a whorehouse. And let's talk about, you know, uh, lack of mercy and anger and rejection, right? Because they're going to build some slums and they are going to be establishing this foothold in territory that belongs to you. And because that happens to be the seat of your intuition, your life will be framed by what is responsible for the constructs within your heart. And so when we begin to get into the ministry of exploring the subconscious to root out deep pain and trauma and hurt and demonic bondage, we wind up taking apart inner worlds that were never the design of God. As we do that, we see peace increase. We see breakthrough. We see finances opening up. We see marriages being repaired. And you know what else? We see that areas that were framed by fear and shame and condemnation with their slums and their prisons are now being repaved with gardens that reflect the heart of God for us. Recharacterization of our heart realm by His kingdom through His redemptive agency. Now, this is an object lesson. Why? Because if I can go with Jesus into someone's heart and find a slum put there by rejection, and Jesus can help Take it out. Just imagine when that same person takes Jesus by the hand and goes into the realm of his heart and begins to explore that territory that is completely characterized by infinity and eternity, perfection, love, honor, peace, and everything else that God stands for, loves, and represents. What do you think you begin to encounter and play with in this kind of a realm? So we have been raised up and seated with Christ. We've been seated in the heavenly places in Him. We have been called to explore by position and identity. The facets of God. We are to navigate the realm of God because we've been given access through Jesus. Now watch this. (laughs) For as in Adam... All die even so in Christ all will be made alive intimacy is found in life death brings distance death brings darkness death brings despondency So, what does it mean to be dead in Adam or that we die in Adam, but we are alive in Christ, especially when we begin to consider all of the depths of meaning associated with being in Christ, literally repositioned in the Spirit? Well... To be an Adam is be connected to the old nature. It has to do with the realm that we are plugged into. How many of you all know that sometimes when you refer to the gentleman that sired you, you call him the old man? Now, I I really have, you know, like many of us, studied the whole concept of the old man in scripture. You know, it's like, oh well, you need to put off the old man and put on Christ, right? So I gotta to preach to me. It's just like, well, you know, you got saved, right? Yes, you've been baptized, right? Well the old man has been put down and you've put on Christ. It's like, well then why am I still addicted then? What well, My my dad's been saved for 10 years, but he's still beating my mom. Why do you say that you've put off the old man when it's clear that the behavior would say something completely different? And, you know, one of the more common, acceptable, reasonable explanations for this idea is, oh, well, he just hasn't figured out who he is yet. So we just need to keep reminding him of his identity. He's like, I don't know. Maybe he should check out Dan Duvall's ministry and get delivered from Satan. This guy has spiritual bondage. So what is this old man idea? Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to one another since you have put off The old man with his deeds. See, the funny thing is, no matter how frustrating this idea is that the old man is gone when we are crucified with Christ at salvation, it is actually gone. That's what it says. Uh, Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Romans 6.6, 6. knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So what does this mean? It, you, you can't really understand the old man until you understand Adam. Because in Adam, all die. When Adam and Eve sinned, And death entered. Death entered for all of us. And we were all born under the curse of sin and death. So, in Adam all died. Adam is more than a guy that held the whole human race in his loins from creation. He becomes a realm of habitation that overarchs all of humanity... Extending to present day. You are born in Adam. And you are transitioned into Christ. You are all, we are all born in Adam. The old man. So when we step out of Adam, Adam, which is death, a realm of death, and we step into Christ, the old man is crucified. In other words, Jesus is reconciling us back to the Father as the last Adam reconciles what the first Adam did. So, Adam, in this sense, is the body of sin that we are in bondage to, but as the last Adam, Jesus Christ, becomes a life-giving spirit. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 45 says, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. 1 Corinthians 15.22 For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. What I am telling you is that through the gate of the cross, there is a realm called Adam into which we are all born that is being reconciled by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, and in that, the old man is crucified. It's a transition of governments. We are being transitioned out of the government of the first Adam and into the government of the last Adam, which is the government of the kingdom of God, the eternal realm. This is... Why? We have free access to explore the nature of God through encounter and experience because we have to be in Him. There is no other way to be saved but to be in Christ and to have been delivered from Adam, the old man, the body of death and sin. So there are two locations. You can be in Adam or you can be in Christ. So. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. This means that we have a new identity not defined by the limitations of fallen humanity, but by the limitless nature of God Himself. (laughs) So, your behavior may still be very challenged. The removal of the old man has to do with transitioning you out of Adam and into Christ. It's not going to fix your addiction. So we have to minister to the whole man. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Now, because we are in Christ... This is the whole point. I'm telling you, you can now explore God's finger, His hand, His foot, His face, His body, His soul, His spirit, and His heart through encounter because of divine repositioning. The heart is a landscape that is a world of its own. All right? The heart is a landscape that is a world of... I'm going to keep repeating myself. Because someone, someone is going to figure it out today. Wait a minute. There is a whole world for me to explore and see and taste and touch that is inside of the heart of God. And there is a door opening for us today, and I might just walk through it. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You want to know why God is the way He is. You have to go into His heart. The reason why you have so many doubts about God's character is because you haven't been hanging out in His heart. So you're judging His behavior by your experience. The Bible says, in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. That word issues means borders. Amen. Many of us, and I tell this to people all the time, are limited by what we see in our own hearts. It's this easy, okay? If you see yourself as a middle class person, and someone comes to you and says, hey, I have a multi-million dollar project on a table, I'd like to bring you in on it you're going to think it's a scam right out the gate, and you're probably not even going to apply for the job because you see yourself as a certain social class. And that's that's your border. So in order for you to begin to step into a new realm of increase, you have to expand the border. God comes in. He, that's why God says, I will expand your tents, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Many of us are limited by what's in our hearts. Now that, the, the, the thing is though, if you want to get a foot up on how to rearrange the borders in your own heart, go into the heart of God and see where he put his borders. See where they are. And then consider, well, maybe I can pattern some of my stuff like this. Most of us operate out of borders that the devil seated there in young age. Before we even knew what was happening to us. The best kind of a marriage we ever saw was the one where... The spouse is a drunk, no good slob, but they don't engage in physical violence. That's the best case scenario. Because the others, they're worse. Therefore, if I can find the drunken slob, get that guy. (laughs) That's the one for me. Well, that's where we set our borders. God's heart defines the limitless parameters of who he is. And when we begin to observe that, we get a different kind of revelation. Let me tell you something. There are so many things to explore with God. I'm I'm, going to briefly touch on Archie tomorrow. I'm going to briefly touch on argue tomorrow, but I, don't think, I, I can't even make that comment yet. Some of y'all are not ready for that. Okay, so, so the heart as the subconscious is kind of like a computer for humans. So if I try to run Microsoft Word on my computer without the Microsoft Office Suite installed, I won't even be able to find the program because it's not installed. (laughs) Same way with us, in our hearts. If peace is not installed as a program, we will constantly find ourselves swaying between depression and anxiety because when we try to run peace, we can't even find it. And even if Jesus has it, it doesn't mean that you've made room in your heart for him to plant it. So when we begin to understand the heart better, we learn, wait a minute, God has a heart. I wonder what he's planted in his heart. What kind of programs are running in the heart of god so what is jesus doing see when jesus comes in as the sower just so you have to understand you every parable in the bible hinges on the parable of the sower jesus said, if you don't get this you're not going to get anything get this one and we took the parable of the sower and turned it into an evangelistic message. So if I tell this person about Jesus, and I tell that person about Jesus, this seed will fall on fallow ground, and that one will get saved. And it's like, yep, that's why they don't have kingdom. They don't get it. Yeah, some people will accept Jesus, and some people won't. But the parable is all about kingdom expression. See, when Jesus takes the seed that is his own person, Incorruptible seed, according to the book of First Peter, and sows it into the heart, that he's trying to sow programs that define operational parameters in the seed of human intuition. Peace and joy. Well, there go the crows. All right. So. We go back to anxiety and depression because the seed is not actually growing in the realm of the heart. But what I'm here to tell you is that when we look at the heart of God and try to find the programs that are operating there, you know what we're going to find? Psalm 33, verse 5. (laughs) He loves righteousness and justice. Psalm 133, verse 1. Desire. Look, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You you will find unity in the heart of God. You will find righteousness in the heart of God. You will find justice in the heart of God. 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. Do you understand that the Bible says... Eternal life is to know God. Exodus 20, verse 6 But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. This is what you begin to find when you explore the realm. Of the heart of God. As a matter of fact, you could just go ahead and throw the whole chapter of Isaiah 61 in the conversation to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. These are programs that exist in the heart of God that have come to full expression. And he's trying to take seeds from those crops and put them in you. So this is your operational paradigm. But I'm telling you, you know, the heart is a point of convergence. Body, soul, and spirit in human design converge on the heart. The heart is the center of the rest of the design. So it is a gate between. It is a gate between. It is a gate between. So when you get into the heart of God, you can branch out and actually move into exploration of his soul, of his spirit, of his body. And you know what? The Bible says, ask and it will be answered. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. All we got to do is start expecting and asking for it. The encounters will open up. The encounters will open up. You know, God is a master of opening doors. Is a master of opening doors. And we're gonna go right back into worship because it's time to experiment with the idea that maybe it's time for my four cylinder to get upgraded to a V8. Some of you are gonna say, give me the V10. And one or two of you might even say, I'm going into the V12. I am going to allow this worship encounter to open up God to me in a way I have never experienced before. I'm going in because now that I know that I can, I will. And so we're going to do two. Because because I'm not done. How how many of you know God is a God of overabundance, more than enough, right? (laughs) Exceeding, like... Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which the Lord has prepared for those that love Him. There, there's a little bit more. There's a little bit more. Because as we go back into worship, first of all, I'm going to call all of your spirits to be present and forward and up. But then, then we're going to open a few doors. Okay? Because one of the things that God will do is He'll open a door in the Spirit that is a portal right into the enemy's camp. Why would we do that? For the purposes of intercession. We're actually going to open portals, and they're going to go into election realms and political realms and family realms and business realms, and this worship is going to go out from here, and it's just going to pour like water through pipes right on top of the angels that are fighting for the destiny of the children of God. They're going to be powered up by our worship. So everything that you think you'd like to say in in, in in prayer and intercession, pour it out in worship while you choose to walk around the heart of God, the soul of God, the body of God, the spirit. Just start asking questions. Look, let's go over there. Yeah, you, you ever see a kid in a candy store? It's like he can't make up his mind. He's like, I want to go over the lollipops chocolate skittles you know i mean that's you know the bible says unless you come to me as children this is what the bible look in ezekiel chapter 8 in ezekiel chapter 8 god takes ezekiel and he goes into visions in the spirit and god takes him to the gate of the temple and, and he actually has him dig through the wall and then there's a door and he opens the door see, see, God is opening a portal into the enemy's camp in Ezekiel chapter 8 and when he opens the door he says now look at what they're doing that's what he's doing here we're opening doors and our worship is going to pour it's going to pour so we're going to go into prayer we're going to go into worship Father God I want everyone to stand up everyone stand up Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, I I, I just bless the human spirits that belong to those present in this room. Lord God, I invite them to be present at the surface for this worship. Lord God, I remind the human spirits, you are light from light. You are breath. You are wind. You are love. It is written that God is love. And you were created by love and from love and for love. Lord God, I thank you for bread of life and living water and new wine issued in Jesus' name. Lord God, I thank you that veils of oppression, scandal, Lord God, lying spirits are evicted now in the name of Jesus condemnation and shame is being moved out of the way. We thank you for remission of sins, Lord God. We thank you for the presence of your angels and company. Lord God, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Father God, as we go into this prayer, I speak that Doors and portals are being opened now into election realms, fraud realms, Lord God, cheating realms, Lord God, business realms, family realms, destiny realms. I thank you that as we engage in worship, Lord God, this powers up the move of heaven. Yes. Everybody, right where you're at. All right. I want everybody to close your eyes. If your eyes are not already closed, I want you to close your eyes. Right? Okay. But it's so important in the spirit. And I see that many doors are opening. So I want everyone to have your eyes closed to focus. And piano, please keep going. as you are in this place, in the spirit, God wants to take us places. And God is sending escorts so that you are accompanied to these Places. There are dimensions of God that are being unlocked to you right now. So allow yourself to see it, to experience it. Just relax, it's opening up. It's opening up. Doors are opening up for you. Doors are being opened. Vehicles are being sent. Chariots. You will be shown things. God is showing you the prisons of your ancestors. God is showing you the destiny of your bloodline. God is showing you the treasures of his heart, the storehouses of resources made available to you. Let yourself go just need a shepherd. Yes, Lord. I see the pasture. Some of us just need a shepherd. Someone to protect us. I see the pasture. open the door. Angels of healing, come in. Bat your wings. We receive the frequency of healing in this house. No gates. As a matter of fact, I declare that personalized gates Frequencies, barriers, equations, cloaking devices, force fields, sacred geometries, DNA matrices. And defensive protocols that have guarded and locked us out of your love, Lord God, put there by us or the enemy. Are being unlocked and moved out of the way of your presence right now thank you jesus you've been listening to discovering truth with dan deval this podcast is a production of bride ministries international Visit our website at com to enjoy The Bride Ministries Church, The Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.